This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mmm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm Ethan Hamilton and you're listening to Stacey West Podcast. Good morning, afternoon, evening and good night. This is the Stacey West Podcast. It's episode 230. I am your host, Gary, and joining me, and I'll say as ever, because he's a fairly regular at the moment, it's Mr. Lamming. How are you doing, sir? Guten Tag. Very well, thank you. Are you better? Well, um, yeah, do you know what? I'm I'm fighting it. So I've been a little bit under the weather this week and um, I, I feel better today. Not 100%, but obviously we were going to have a pool night tonight where yourself and uh, our good friend David comes over and we play a little bit of pool. But one, I didn't want to infect you and two, I didn't want to make myself any... Have a, have a relapse over the bank holiday weekend. So it will be um, no pool this evening. It will instead be record the podcast, gammon, egg and chips, and a couple of episodes of The Blacklist. Well, it's not a bad substitute, that, is it? It's not, not a bad substitute. No, we're just getting to the final of Series 5 as well on The Blacklist. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's good. We've really enjoyed it. We've really enjoyed it. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's good. It's good to have that. Eating a bit of gammon egg and chips in front of the telly, nothing better. Nothing better. A, I was gonna say on a Friday night, but it's not Friday, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. No, Friday night, today. Friday, Friday night's curry night. Of course, it is. Every night, every Friday night in your house is curry night, isn't it? Every Friday night is curry night. Um, apart from if we can't do a Friday and then it moves to a Thursday or a Saturday. And on one occasion this month, uh, this, this month actually, I think it was, we had to have curry night on a Sunday night which threw me completely. Then I woke up on the Monday thinking it should be Saturday. And honestly, oh, there's no worse feeling. There's no yeah. worse feeling waking up on a Monday when you think it's still a weekend. Oh, exactly. What a Not when you've day. had a fiery go and then your ring piece is burning as well and you have to put the toilet <laughs> roll in the fridge. 
No, that's a real a real problem. Right, enough talk about food because we haven't got a lot to get through, which means it's going to be topping out at over an hour because you know what happens when Chris and I come on the show. So we haven't got a game to talk about because this is the new kind of thing we're doing on the podcast where we do a Thursday and a Sunday and we've already covered Shrewsbury. It's a long, long while ago. So there's no game to talk about. We're looking ahead to one, which is Blackpool. Uh, we've got a guest on later on. That's Tom Main from the Not Orange podcast. He's going to be talking to Charlie. So to fill your journey to work, your journey home from work or wherever else it is you listen, if you're running, I know some people run while they're listening to us. I think. Do Jack, you more run, Gary? Jack, no, I don't. I don't listen to us while we run. Jesus, I can't think of anything worse. Um, no, I think Jack, Jack Mulhall listens to us while he's running. So if you're running, Jack, pick up the pace a little bit, mate. Come on, you're younger than me and I'm partly made of metal. Um, yeah, so no. I, although speaking of running, just on that, I am going to try. I am going to be doing in September the 60 mile challenge. So I'm going to try and run 60 miles in September. I'm going to pick a charity. I'm not going to force anybody to, to donate or anything, but I am going to set up a little charity page and, uh, and just track it to try and keep myself motivated. So yeah. Good on you. Good on Neglected you. it a little bit. So yeah, but I run just in case anyone knows. In case um, anyone hadn't, hadn't cottoned onto that over the last how many years. Yeah. Exactly. And when I run, I have an array of different football shirts that I run in. So I've got a, a battered old Italy one with the badge falling off, which I quite like because of the, the material. I've got Hearts of Oak one, which is red, yellow and blue, and it's quite garish. And um, for completing the 10K, I've got some really, really garish kind of bright yellow ones. That if you wear them out in Thunderfly season, become um, black and yellow. None of those shirts quite as offensive on the eye as the new third kit that was launched this week now we're going to talk about kits and the thing is i'm a hypocrite because i love a football kit and also i don't really care if we have a horrible one or not because it's a it's a kit and when it's the third kit we're going to wear it yeah maybe away at sheffield united maybe two or three other games whatever it's marketing isn't it effectively we've got six kits because of the short sleeve keeper shirts of the six kits um it's Yet again, a talking point. So uh, it was it was an event today on Thursday, but it actually dropped yesterday. Uh, look, this is a unique opportunity for people because you and I disagree on it, don't we? We do. People have been saying we need to disagree more. And then this there just falls in our lap this week because yeah. I really like it. I really like the kit. It's it's. I think it's designed to be a bit Marmite. You're either going to love it or you hate it. You're not going to sit on the fence with this one. And I think that's kind of the point, isn't it? You know, you, if it was just a, a boring old plain shirt, it's just a plain black, plain white, whatever it might be. Well, not white. That's the same color as our away kit. But you're not going to sell many of it. The whole point of this is to make it make a statement. The people that don't like it probably wouldn't have bought a third shirt anyway if it was just a, a standalone kind of just bog standard kit. But for those people, a bit like me, that don't really pay that much attention to kits too much think oh that's caught the eye i might get that and you made a really really good point on last week's pod it might be sunday's pod about the goalkeepers kits because i don't like the goalkeepers kits at all and you made a really good point saying, well how many times do you see people wearing a goalkeepers kit almost never how many people do you see wearing goalkeepers kits now and there's a few, few there's a few been dotted about it's exactly the same point for that um we just have we just the opposite way around now because you quite like some of the goalkeepers kits and I don't I quite like this one and you don't I like one of the goalkeepers kits the one that's the kind of modeled I think on the away kit from the 92 93 season I think it was the blue one uh, 
Yeah, yeah, the yeah, the the blue one, which I imagine is worn, will probably have to be worn when we play in the third kit. Because unless it's too dark, I'm not quite sure it might be worn when we play in the white kit. The fact is, football shirts now are a marketing opportunity, and effectively, to all ends and purposes, if you've got fifty pounds in your pocket and you're going to Lincoln City Club shop, you can buy six different football shirts right now. And all six of them offer something a little bit different. Okay, the third kit's a little bit like the pink goalkeeper's shirt. Um, it's marketing. And like it or loathe it, yeah, I personally prefer home kit, away kit. And, you know, you have your home kit, red and white stripes, and you have your away kit, something that's not going to clash with somebody that plays in red or white. So then, you, do you know what I mean? It's functional. But I get why we do it. What I think we do really well at the moment is exactly what you've just said. We diversify with our kits. So... And I was, I was chatting to Fee yesterday and she was absolutely enthralled, I could tell, by the blank look on her face uh, and the gentle <laughs> shaking of the head. But so we but we have a red and white home kit and we're doing really well, actually, at having a distinctive red and white home kit every season. It's different every season. It's not just, oh, it's the same, but with a, you know, with a collar or something like that. We then have a shirt that can be worn with jeans that's quite plain, which is the white and green one this year. It was the black one, in my opinion, last year. It, you, you know which one it is every year. Uh, and then we have something that is in your face. And on the internet, every single time a kit comes out, it's almost 50-50 apart from the home kit. It's almost 50-50 on the others. People not liking it because it's boring or liking it because it's boring, not liking it because it's garish, etc. My problem with this kit, and you know what it is already, is nothing to do with the actual kit itself. Because in terms of kits, it's better than the spilt paint one from last year. It's better than the blue one that had the spilt paint on it the year before. Better than those. It's the badge that pisses me off. And I know that you, you're laughing because I think you're going to say that no, I'm being the absolutely thing is, pedantic. I get, I get your point. I just don't agree with it. It's a lack <laughs> so of identity. It's a lack of identity. It's a confused branding. For me, you you recognise what a club, the club's official shirt, by their badge. And if you get a shirt where the badge isn't quite right, you know that it's an unofficial shirt. And for me, we haven't put the club badge on this. You can't have two badges in a season. You can't do it. Your club badge is your club badge. If we're going to change to that cartoon, in, as I think Sinsel Banker put it, and he hates it, I like it. I, li I like that. Him. That's the first imp I ever saw. I like it. If we're going to use it, use it on every shirt. This staggering of the badge and the branding, for me, doesn't work. Don't work. I get your point. I get your point. I don't, I don't care quite so... Um quite so angrily maybe or strongly as, as you do um i think if they were introducing a brand new badge on the third kit i get your point but it's not it's a it's a badge that we've used before it looks very likely that it's a badge that we're going to be going back to yeah. there's been a few hints around the club around the around the ground it's actually there are two both versions of the imp on the home shirt for example um so i think it's part of the club's kind of slowly, slowly approach to move away from that more traditional imp and into the slightly, even though it's it's actually still quite an old version, it's a slightly more modernised version of an imp, isn't it, compared to what we have now? Um, so I, I get your point. I get your point, yeah. And I think maybe it's just a case of if you do it in one go, it's going to be a news item. If you don't do it in one go, maybe it 
isn't, but maybe we're turning it into one now. Who knows? I don't know. I, get, yeah. I do genuinely get your point, but that wouldn't put me off buying the shirt. And I think if I didn't like the badge, maybe it would. If it was a brand new badge, and then maybe I would, because that really does tie into the identity thing. But it's not a brand new badge. It's a badge that we've had before. So for that reason, I think it's you can still identify it as Lincoln City. And yeah, that's 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 my point. It's probably I haven't got as strong an argument as you, apart from I just don't think it's as matters as much as you you're saying it does. There's some things that are, that really used to annoy me. I mean, club program, okay, we don't have one anymore. But seasons where you change the design in the club program halfway through. And I, I off the top of my head, I think there might only be the one season, but it's right there. 87, 88, we had the old style program, we changed halfway through. It's a lack of identity at that point. I just think with a badge, there's no need for it. If we want to do, if we want to use that badge, and it's associated, by the way, with the collapse. So we had it during the back-to-back relegations in uh, 85, 86, and 86, 87. But actually, for me, we had it when we won the conference in 88. And I've got it, I've literally got a pendant in front of me that I'm looking at right now. And I, for those who are on camera, I can't get it off the thing. So um, it's uh, from eighty from 1983. Mm-hmm. So there it is, centenary from 1983. So for me, it's associated with good times just as much as bad times. Just just go with it. And from a club point of view, it's probably much easier, crisper and cleaner to reproduce, to put on graphics, to integrate with things. Straight lines, thick lines are quite modern, I think, as well. So considering I didn't want to talk about the kit when we first started, we're 11 minutes into it. Um, but with something we disagree on, so it's been it's worth it, isn't it? There's so many I people know. out there at the minute letting out one of those satisfied sighs. Like, yeah, I don't know uh... how I feel about this, though. I quite like it when we agree. This is actually quite uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know. But I said, let's go back to agreeing and everything again. I feel much more comfortable no. with it. But um, I, I genuinely might buy it, though. Genuinely might buy it. And I never buy kits. I hardly ever buy kits. I genuinely might buy it. Uh, and I think it's going to be one that you definitely don't buy, I'm assuming. Um. Now, <laughs> I'm, going <to laughs> surprise, I'm going to surprise you here because I get two kits a year. I get the home kit, irrespective. I never wear them to matches, by the way. I get two kits a year. I run in them because I run a bit. Um, and then they go in a big bag under the spare bed and feed just keep Paul's faces like not another kit. And eventually the, the spare bed will actually have to be on stilts when I reach about 80. <laughs> I always get the home kit and I get one other kit. I'm not convinced that I would buy the white kit. I'm not you're going to get the blue goalkeeper shit, aren't you? Uh, do you know what? I, 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 it's possible. It, it's actually a toss-up between, after everything I've just said, uh, the blue goalkeeper's kit and the third kit. It is. <laughs> because actually, yes. do you know what? Because actually the third kit would be a great running top because it's quite bright. It's, do you know what I mean? You'd be able to see it. Now the badge is embroidered. I don't need to worry about putting it through the wash three times and stuff coming off it. So it's it's possible. It's possible. We'll watch this space. Right, let's get back to something maybe we agree, because actually we asked for some questions. Now, I have put the questions on little banners, but I haven't put who they're from. So if it's from you, thank you very much. I know uh, Sean Simons, I know Pete Summers, I know Dom Clark uh, are among those. I think um, Luke Knight possibly as well. Um, First question. No, we'll not. Should we should we have it scrolling instead? Let's have it scrolling across the bottom instead. There we go. Uh, so that's that was pretty bad for people who are, are listening. So the first question is: This league looks to be one of the most open for a long time. Does the panel agree, Mister Lamming? Yes. There we go. Next question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah, no, I do. I do agree. Um, people saying that League One is weaker 
this year than it normally is. I kind of see that point as well. Um, I think it's more balanced. So I think that the gap between the... I still think is a, is a 10, 15 games into the season, we'll see, we'll see a definite kind of top two or three that are kind of ahead of everybody else. Um, similar to last season. I don't know if those teams are quite as strong as last season, but there's the, the playoff finalists from last season aren't traditionally as strong as they often are. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that Barnsley won 7-0 on opening day and Port Vale are now ahead of them in the league. Um, I think that's credit to Port Vale um, as much as it is maybe detriment to uh, to Barnsley. But I think we mentioned Barnsley maybe not being quite as strong as you'd expect them to be. So uh, in that regard, then League One is arguably weaker. But I do feel, feel that the team's down towards the bottom end. And certainly that chasing pack of the playoffs that I feel we're still potentially part of, but there could be 12 teams that are in that, that kind of chasing pack. Um, I think there's a lot of kind of there, much of a muchness. Um, I think there's a lot tighter now than it, it used to be. Last season, we saw a very definite top half or top 10, really, budget-wise, and that was pretty much referenced in the league. And then the rest, and we happened to finish top of the rest last season, whether we deserved it or not. Um, I don't think there's there's quite that big divide this season than there has been traditionally. So in that regard, then, if that's what open means, then yes. But I certainly think it's a lot more balanced. Now, this is going to be a real shock to people, but I'm actually going to disagree. But I'm going to disagree on a point of, on a technicality. Go on. Rather than actually disagreeing. I don't think you can tell what the league looks like right now. Um, oh, so yeah. Say the league... I think in terms of the league table as it stands right now, no, I agree. We nothing into that whatsoever. I mean, in terms of all the discussions we had pre-season about our perceptions of clubs, recruitment, the issues that are going on at other clubs... I think all of the all of the, those factors that we spoke about three weeks ago are still just just as valid as they were three weeks ago. There hasn't been that many surprises, other than how good Wigan have been uh, yeah. to, for me in, in terms of um, what I expected to happen, really, and and of course Cambridge. Well, I think Cambridge and Stevenage will tumble away a little, if I'm honest, over the course of the next few weeks. And I think one or two teams will strengthen their grip on the uh, top six or seven. I still think there'll be a group of 10 or 12, maybe 10, who are ahead of the rest. I think there'll be two or three who are ahead of everybody still. Possibly not Derby at the minute. I mean, their injury record at the minute, bless them. It's absolutely horrendous. They've lost Joe Ward. They've lost uh, Max Bird. They've lost um, one of them as well. Basically, uh, oh, the, the Kane Wilson. The new signing Wilson's out now injured as well. So they've lost a whole load of players injured. So they're, they're struggling a little bit. But I think, and we'll talk about Blackpool, I think Blackpool looks solid at the minute and they're going to be buying players, they're going to be bringing players in. I think despite their early form, I think Charlton are looking half decent. I think they're going to get there. I think Portsmouth are just needing to click. I think um, there, there is uh, Wigan, who despite the points deduction are absolutely flying. And when you look at the likes of Humphreys and Wyke and... Um, Everybody else that they've got, they've got such a strong squad. I don't think it's going to be very long before they're actually knocking on the the door of the top three and remaining there. Reading are actually looking much better than people give them credit for, and they're bringing players in as well. So if that can last, that again, the fact is that a more open division is actually a more is actually a tougher division 
because the more open it is, it means more teams are being able to pick up points, more teams are expecting, more teams have got aspirations of climbing the division, and that actually makes it tougher. If you've got two teams that are on 100 points and are beating everybody, it just means that you're in a 22-team league, not a 24-team league. And when you're one of the teams that actually doesn't lose to those clubs, you're in a better position. So, um, yeah, I, I, I understand about it looking to be most open, but you know, whether it is or not, I think we find out probably... 10 games. I always think I don't even bother looking at a league table until there's 10 games on the board. And when 10 games are on the board, you have an idea. Let me say this. The teams that are in the bottom six after 12 games, I guarantee you three of those will be teams that are relegated at the end of the season. And the teams that are in the top six, two or three will be promoted. Yeah. The only exception would be Burton because they'll they'll definitely be bottom at Christmas like they always are. Sign 12 new players, sack the manager, and then they'll climb the division like they do every single season. Yeah, 100%. And one thing can I just say as well, um, before we move on to the next question, Stevenage, right? I was looking at some stats earlier. Here's a surprise for you. Most headed jewels, uh, headed headed jewels out of the whole division, right up at the top, Stevenage is centre forward. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) well... Slap my ass and call me Steve Evans. What a fucking, what a blooming surprise that is. Excuse my language. <laughs> right. Carrying on on the League One theme. Um, this is a great question, by the way. If you could bring in one player from another League One club on a free transfer, who would it be? And I'm going to add, why? Mm-hmm. Great question, by the way, whoever sent this in. I've tried to be semi-realistic with this. There's one annoying kind of little thing that would scupper this deal. Um, but everything else, I think, was relatively realistic. And it's Seku Jane from Cambridge, who has started the season on fire. Uh, he's been involved in, I think he was involved in three or four of their, almost all of their first, the first few goals in the season. Um, he plays as a wide player, really aggressive, really um, quick, robust, um, direct, athletic Wide player, just brilliant. He's had a brilliant start to the season. Um, him and Ahadme have had a real good relationship. And I thought, ah, oh, it's just really, he's just really stood out to me. You know, we, we kind of both of us wrote Cambridge off at the start of the season, where I think a lot of people did. And yeah, I agree with you that they're probably in a false position now. They are going to drop off from where they are at the moment, but they've been just really well drilled and they've had a couple of shining lights. And he's been one of them. And it's the one part of the squad that we need to strengthen in in that kind of wide forward role. We've only got three players for two positions there. You need to have four to have a balanced squad. Uh, and I think he'd be a fantastic signing. The only problem is he picked up an injury uh, against, I want to say Stevenage. It might not have been Stevenage. And he's out for a couple of months. But apart from that, I think he'd be a fantastic oh, signing. That, that was actually, it's Liam Knight, not Luke Knight. My apologies, Luke Knight was the centre forward, wasn't he, I think? Um, either that or one of the the anyway, yeah. Um, so Liam, that's a, an absolutely brilliant question. My answer is Tyler Goodrum. Now he's a young lad from Oxford United. He only really broke through to Oxford United last season, so he's not he's not one of the standout players. I mean, he had a really he had a decent game for them this weekend when they won at Barnsley. Um, Lovely finish, prospect. Yeah, it was a great finish. Great finish. The reason I would bring him in, in is because I see him going into the championship within the next two years or so. And I think that he's someone, he's young, he'd have a massive impact right now. And I think that he could go. I also like the look at Mark Helm at Burton. Um, mm-hmm. Not seen much of him this season. But again, it's on that kind of wide player, uh, wide attacker 
which you know there's no secret whatsoever is that that's that's really where we need to strengthen if we have to strengthen so that's the answer to that question now this one wasn't i wasn't on the list chris so i haven't prepared you for this but it was on the twitter and it's come from jack and it follows in exactly the same vein as if you had to appoint one of the manager from this division who would it be that's a great question i feel uncomfortable about this yeah as you um haven't had chance i'll answer that now i will just say i get asked this question every single year by 442 and i always brush it off with i mean this year obviously i said chris lamming rugby fc manager i know his, i, I then had win. to i had to order or my other half bless i had we went for a right palaver to try and find a 442 magazine because it had my name in it i was so excited so thanks for that by the way uh, it was brilliant uh, so it's the first time i bought a 442 mag for years and it's it's still in the wrapper but i know it says my name in it uh, so that's so that's great that's with all my other football memorabilia now so thanks for that so is that your actual answer i suppose i'm not a league one manager no. yet so uh, no you're not <laughs> so a league you can't one pick manager. me this time you're not a league <laughs> one manager so my answer is going to revolt everybody listening and it is Ian Everett I would have as our manager. Uh, and I would pick Ian Everett because I don't like the man, which means he's a good manager. Every single year he's improved Bolton Wanderers since he's been there. And bear in mind, when he first went, they they, they dropped down League Two and struggled. And then he in, in the end, he got them back up, in promoted. He's done, I think he's done a brilliant job. He fosters an us and them mentality that we enjoyed in 2016-17. Everybody hated Danny and Nicky Cowley. Um, and it's for exactly the same reasons that they hated Ian Everett. Ian Everett can play wonderful football at times. He can play great football. They called Barrow Brazil. It was like, well, like watching Brazil when he got Barrow up. Um, but he's also well-versed in the dark arts, tough, uncompromising touchline figure. If I had to appoint one, and it wouldn't be, it would be Mark Kennedy as it is now, um, I'd go with Ian Everett. So obviously I've been put on a spot for this a little bit. And the first thing that came to mind was Ian Everett. But <laughs> and I, we're back I have to got, normal. Yeah, no, but I've got a couple of others because because for all the reasons that you said, I think I think that's that that is definitely the reason that I'd potentially go for him. Um I think the obvious shout from a lot of people would be Mark Bonner at Cambridge because of how he's exceeded expectations. But I just think there's something there's something about just Mark Bonner and Cambridge. He's a he's a Cambridge fan, he's been involved at the club for his whole pretty much his whole footballing career. I think if you, you take him out of that situation, you don't you can't prove it. So for me, it'd be Paul Warren. I think Paul Warren has just proven at League One. Um, he's he didn't knew a club our sort of size, Rotherham. He, he knew how to operate that, made them punch above their weight consistently. Just knows how to get out out of the league, doesn't he? I fully expect Derby to find a bit of form once they get some players fit and maybe spend a bit in the transfer market, and he'll get Derby firing on all cylinders and and. They're not too dissimilar to us in terms of their style. They're obviously got bigger and better players than we have on on paper, but I don't think that we're too far away in terms of style, in terms of how it would fit the squad as well. So yeah, um, in the in the events of not wanting to completely agree, I'm going to go with Paul Warren. <laughs> now we're going to try and get through some questions because I said 30 minutes for the questions, and we're now on 25 minutes, which was always going oh, to be. Oh, good. I thought you right before we started recording the podcast. Gas said, right for this first bit for the questions and the and the kit, we'll we'll try and do it in 30. And when he first started that convers that um, that sentence, I thought he was going to say about 15 minutes, and then he said 30. I thought, <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. We've got loads of time, and now we're going to go over again. Sorry. So this is a this is a yeah this is a quick one. I know this is from Dom. This is Tyler Walker. 
Any value added so far? Question mark. What system suits him, and why should House be impacted? I think whizzing through this is going to be difficult, but uh, I'll do my best to answer it quickly. Um, any value added so far? Yeah, absolutely. We've got yep. two strikers in the squad. Um, you've got two different styles of centre forwards, but you've also got two first team quality centre forwards, which means that you can rotate. You can um, play one ahead of the other. You can bring one on on 60 minutes to, to change it. You can play them together. Um, ben House, let's not forget, has just had a child. He's first. He's a new father. Mark Hardy referenced this against uh, Northampton, I think. No, yeah, uh, Truesby, sorry, when started. And it gives him the option to do that. Last season, it doesn't matter how, how tired or ill or unfit Ben House was, he had to start because he didn't have another option. So the fact that Tyler Walker is in the squad gives us the option to rotate and it allows us to play two up there. What system suits him? I think he can play up top on his own. I think we've seen him, his hold-up play, particularly against Wickham, was surprising. We know he can run channels as well. Um, I feel this question may come out from the fact he did struggle against Shrewsbury. You know, he was playing against a very dominant back three and he did he did struggle. I think there's no denying that, but it certainly wasn't his style of game. Um should House be impacted is a great is a great question. I think Ben House is better up front than he is anywhere else on the pitch, but I think he is more versatile than Tyler Walker. So I think because of that, it yeah, that he he has value in the squad. We were all really excited when Tyler Walker signed. I think he has featured more in the opening games than maybe we expected him to. So if I'm tempering my expectations back to where I thought they would be when we signed him. He would have only come on for 15 minutes in every game so far already. And I expected him to be two or three weeks behind everyone else. We're only, what, three weeks into the season. So, yeah, I, th I think he is going to absolutely add value to the squad. It also means that we're not desperate for a centre-forward in the last week of the transfer window, like so clubs are. And, of course, if you're a, a free agent centre-forward or you're a, you're a selling club, when the team you're selling to is getting more and more and more desperate, you don't get quite so good a deal. We're not desperate to sign our centre-forward now, and that's just a really nice place to be. So I think there's, there's real value on Tyler Walker being there. He's still playing catch-up. We've seen flashes of his quality, particularly against Wickham. So, yeah, what are your thoughts? Brilliant. Well, I'm actually not going to answer that question. I'm going to take the next question just in the interest of time and then move on. So if you were if you wanted to answer this question, um, unlucky. Uh, so <laughs> this question is, on the news regarding George Grant, would you have him back? And if so, where would you fit him in the current team? So the news on George Grant is that Hearts uh, have received offers from League One and League Two. <laughs> Imagine being a League Two club thinking you're going to borrow George Grant, honestly. Um, League One and League Two clubs um, to take 28-year-old, by the way, George Grant on loan for this season. So that's the news. Would you have him back? I mean, yes, obviously it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's an almost a no brainer, isn't it? It's one of those where would you have George Grant? Yeah, hundred percent. George Grant uh, prior to one or two that we've got now was, was, is the best actual footballer with his feet that I had seen at Sinsel Bank since Peter Gain. Uh, a magician. He could play in the holding role in the six. He could play out wide on the left. He could play in a 10. He's, you know, he, he had he brought versatility as well. And sometimes when you bring versatility, you are a watered down version of that position. So they go, oh, he can play here or there. He can, but he wouldn't be a start here or there. Tom Pett is an example of that. Tom Pett could play in a six, but you'd probably have started Michael O'Connor over him. He could play further forward, but you could probably have started Shane McCartney. Do you know what I mean? George Grant isn't that player. Doesn't matter where where you play him, he would arguably, even now at twenty eight, 
be the best player in that position. And that might be something that people disagree on, but you play him wide left, okay, Danny Mandrew, potentially, but you could accommodate Mandrew somewhere else. Play him in the holding midfield role, okay, Ethan Arahan is an out. But if you're playing him as the double sixes, as he was playing, I think, with Conor McGrandles for a while and Liam Bridcut for a while, you know, he's, he's one of the best two. Um, where would I fit him in the current team? As things stand right now, I would probably play him uh, on one side of a centre-forward. So where we had, for instance, you, you Mandroyu would probably play Grant on the other side of that. Um, so you drop so, Rico Hackett to accommodate George Grant. Well, there you go. You see, because then would I don't know? Would you? Would you? The fact is, you would fit him in the current team somewhere, even if it was as as a rotation rotation thing. Even if it was he plays two games here, or you know, he, he's some, we, we said that we're looking for a wide forward, and he could play and did so with a huge amount of success wide forward, particularly when he wasn't blessed with pace. He was more about poise and more about ability. And that is what we do now. We're not, we're not relying on the likes of Mandroyu to burst past fullbacks. We're relying on him to play in the hole, play in the half spaces, boom, boom, um, and, and create as well as score. So I'm going to let you say something because I can see you're absolutely busting to say something. How could you tell? Um, <laughs> so all your points are valid, but I want to kind of, let's think about this a bit deep, more deeply in terms of like that wider squad building. So like I say, he's 28, so he's not got any sell-on value, firstly. Who does he play ahead of? And in terms of your, is he going to increase the... The kind of the base level that that kind of the floor in terms of the quality on the squad, yes. But who does he play instead of? For me, it does not play ahead of Danny Mandrew. Danny Mandrew is a massively saleable asset. Had a great start to the season, and you want to keep playing him. He's he's probably our best technical player, and he is the same same style of player as Danny Mandrew. Is not at all the same as Rico. Rico is has got that more physicality. Great on the ball, but he is one that can break in behind. He is one that is going to drift slightly wider. He is the one that's going to not necessarily make things happen with with kind of a clever pass like George Brantwell and how he started this season. I don't think you can drop Rico Hackett. He has to play and he's a different profile of player and you need to have those different profiles in the squad and in the, in the team on the pitch. Does he play ahead of Danny Mandrui? Well, he's had a couple of less than ideal seasons, George Grant. We know his quality. Does he play ahead of Danny Mandrui? For me, no. So you think, okay, well, he's going to play deeper. Does he play ahead of um, Ethan Erehan? No, definitely not. Completely no, different no, no. profile of player. Could he play next to Ethan Irohan as a ball player? Yeah, absolutely. But then you've got three other players that play next to Ethan already. You've got Tet, who is a similar style of player to George Grant. If you need that player to come on, impact a game, have a bit more quality on the ball, rather than play um, Ethan Hamilton, who's going to be really aggressive and really kind of box-to-box, or um, Ali Smith, who we think is similar to in that regard, but slightly more forward-thinking. You've already got three players to play next to Ethan Erehan. So the only way that you fit George Grant in is maybe by playing a midfield three, but then you're changing your system. So for me, despite his undoubted quality that we've witnessed how many years ago? Three years ago now, plus. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have him back for That's that reason. Three things, three things we've disagreed on now. And I, I actually feel really comfortable about that. <laughs> as, as a caveat what I'll say is when I say I'd have him back I'm not talking about a situation where we bring him on, on in on loan from Hearts I'm talking about a situation a hypothetical situation where would I have George Grant in our squad now so 
I wouldn't be going out to try and loan a 28 year old at high wages. Should if the question was, should we be in for him? My answer wouldn't be yes, which is basically the same way as saying my answer would be no. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I think that pretty much is the opposite of yes, as far yeah, as I'm yeah, aware. Yeah. But would I have George Grant back? As in, would, do you know what I mean? Rather than without thinking about the logistics of it, would I? Do I want? Would I have George Grant in our squad? Hundred percent. So I kind of. So, so, do you like the idea of George Grant being back in Lincoln City? Yes, yeah, you do. Without doubt. Is yeah. the reality in terms of the situation how it could arise right now? No, for me, that just does it doesn't fit the squad. It doesn't work. The reality of getting him here now, no, fitting him in the current team, that's probably where we disagree. Because I say that you would fit him in. You would. Danny Mandroyo had to have injections to play against Shrewsbury. There, George Grant plays instead. You rest. Yeah, Danny obviously. It, yeah, it, I and, get that. I get that. And you look at Walker and House. Like they're going to rotate. They're going to drop in and out. We're going to be better for it. Um, if Ben House starts 26 games and has 20 from the bench and Tyler Walker starts 20 games and has 26 from the bench, it's not necessarily to the detriment of either player. If they're a good player, if they're good players and they do what they should be doing when they're on the field, they will still, people will still look. The game is changing. And nowadays coming off the bench isn't, wasn't, wasn't a stigma. But nowadays, five players come on. You could have a, we talked about it with Ted Bishop, you could make a career out of playing 30 minutes at the end of a game and still be getting regular football with the number of substitutes. It's not like however many years ago where if you were the 12th man and you didn't get on and people are going, oh, he's only on the bench. The bench is part of the squad. Football is not an 11 v 11 game anymore. It's an, it's an 18 versus 18 game. The fact yeah, that and you it, don't yeah, have 11 and on you the And you're identifying the team with the strongest 18 wins the game, not the team with the yeah. strongest 11. So anyway, we're already five minutes over and we've got some questions to get through. So we're going to, I'm going to ask here for quick fire answers. Happy? I'll try. If slash when Lincoln ever ended up in a European competition, which away trip would you be hoping for? I'd say anywhere but Scotland. Now, I don't know if that's saying uh, that the person asking would say anywhere but Scotland or whether he's saying our answer must be. So I'm going to say we're allowed to give two answers. And I'll start with you because I know what the first obvious one is going to be. So I'll throw that over to you for the first one. Oh, you said I wasn't allowed to pick that one. You can pick it if you want, seeing as we're going well, to two. Uh, it's, I'm going to go for three sneakily because the, one of them is one I wasn't allowed. So my first, <laughs> my first, my first immediate answer is going to be FC St. Pauli. I'm a two-club wanker because they're my second team. I think it's allowed if it's another country. Um, I like what they stand for and all that sort of stuff. Um, No, of course, that would also mean that they had to qualify for Europe as well, which they've never done. They've only ever had a couple of seasons in the Bundesliga. But I think what would be an ideal situation would be both clubs qualify for Europe. It's the new league format. Uh, Both clubs were already qualified, so it didn't matter who won. You're already, both clubs are already through and go to an away day at the Millentor. That's brilliant. But I think for me, it had to be Germany because cheap tickets, Brilliant atmosphere, can have a pint in the stands. The whole the whole atmosphere and the whole culture of German football is brilliant. So I think for that, in terms of a realistic one, Dortmund away. It's just like you can't get much better than that, I think, in terms of the whole package. And the second option, um, either Milan team, because I want to go to the San Siro, the football amphitheatre that is the San Siro before it gets knocked down. Um, though it might not be getting knocked down now, I read somewhere, but it was, you know, it was it's kind of like on its last legs, isn't it? So yeah, either Dortmund away or either Milan side, so Milan or, or Inter away. I've thought a little bit differently. 
Uh, first of all, I figure if we're going to ever go there, it will probably be in the Europa Conference League. So Lincoln Redimps is the obvious pick. Oh, it? cool. They, it, it, it's kind of the obvious pick. It would be a great story. And it, you know, it would be one of those where it was a game that got quite a lot of coverage because of the links between the clubs. And the other one um, is Fiorentina away. Because oh, good shout. Love the city of Florence. Love Tuscany and Italy. I would have picked Bari, but like um, like St. Pauli, they very, very rarely, if ever, qualify for Europe. Certainly not at the minute because they've been to the depths of hell or, uh, as it's known, Serie D, or I think I've been in, or Serie C, the regionals. But they're on their way back up. So it would be Bari. I've got connections with the place. But Fiorentina would be phenomenal. I'd, we'd have to avoid the ultras because I think I'd get my, my lily white ass kicked over there. Um, but it would just be for the weekend in, a, in what is undoubtedly one of the most beautiful cities in Europe. Um, well, it'd be a Thursday night, wouldn't it, if it was the Conference League? So you go there on the Thursday morning, go to the football, have a long weekend in Florence. Oh, what a lovely idea that is. Yeah. And then we could retire as a group onto the Ponte Vecchio and have coffee overlooking the river and watching the sunset. That'd be, it'd be amazing. I'd, I'd mean, to be fair, I'd probably rather do that with Fee than um, a load of Lincoln fans. But even yeah. so, there we go. Really quick now, in fact, we'll come, we'll come back to that question because um, we really ought to talk a little bit more about football. But first of all, why don't I try and sell you um, some McDonald's? I'm TJ Yoma and you're listening to the Stacey West Podcast. Yeah. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So there we go. Enthusiastic as ever. I might not be able to get enthusiastic about McDonald's food like I can get enthusiastic about gam and egg and chips, which is being prepared for me as we speak. Um, but I also get enthusiastic about my glass of orange in the morning. I like a glass of orange. Um, somebody who doesn't like orange is Tom Main from Blackpool. He runs a podcast called the Not Orange Podcast. It's a Blackpool podcast. And he's been talking to our Charlie Beeston about the game coming up at the weekend. Take it away, Charlie and Tom. So it's interesting you kind of pick up on the midfield there because that was, funnily enough, the next thing I was I was going to ask. Your your midfield um, consists of well consists of players that actually Lincoln fans will have heard of, or not necessarily your starting midfield, but your midfield options. So first of all, if we just pick up on Matty Virtue, um, a player who obviously Lincoln had a loan last season, a player who a lot of Lincoln fans maybe hoped wrongly you know it, it was never going to happen but kind of hoped that you guys wouldn't trigger the contract extension and would maybe be a Lincoln player this season on a free it's obviously never going to happen especially when you came down 
is he somebody who you're expecting to to play many minutes in your midfield this season, or is he somebody who's simply a squad option? Um, I'm not expecting him to play. Um, Critchley likes him. He he gave him that contract when he was injured. Um, you know, put faith in him that way, and he is a fan of him. I like him. Um, the problem with Matty Virtue is he doesn't start games at the moment and he's coming on with 15 minutes to go and therefore we can't impact the game as the way he wants to. Yeah. He had an excellent chance against Exeter when the ball was played through to him. Bit of a heavy pass. He could have hit it first time. Took that touch, keeper smothered it and lo and behold, it's a fairly good save. But oh, I wouldn't be disappointed if he started versus what we're, we're used to at the moment. Um it's a difficult one. He's a conundrum. I don't know if he'll even be here come the end of the window, to be fair, because if he's not started for the first four or five league games, or mm. sorry, four or five games, then where does potentially critically see him if he's consistently playing the same sort of um, system? So I, I would absolutely have him as a squad player and I'd absolutely have him as a backup when things aren't going well. Whether he will be here is another question and whether we bring in someone to replace him, I don't know, but... It's a difficult one because he did have a good season with you guys, didn't he? And he was quite mm. a leader in that midfield. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a hard one for me because he's been injured and then he looked good in League One last spell with Critchley, scored mm-hmm. some decent goals. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to yeah. see him play more minutes. Um, I just don't know where he's going to lie this this season come the end of the window. That's fair enough. Um, it's he is, you know, he he was absolutely brilliant for us last season. And um, before we got Ethan Aaron in, in the summer, in the January window, sorry, he was one of, if not our, one of our best players. Um, genuinely brilliant, brilliant leader in midfield. Um, so obviously it was a, it was a shame when I, you know, when he did get injured, um, pulled up, he pulled up almost right in front of me where I was sat. Uh, I remember when he pulled his hamstring. Can't remember exactly which game it was. Now it was over the it was over the winter period, um, and yeah, it was a it was that one was a really big, really big shame. But I kind of want to pick up on, funnily enough, two other midfielders. Um, it's just the way it's fallen. Kenny Dougal is somebody who Lincoln fans will have in their nightmares. Um, if I if I'm not mistaken, he scored both of the goals against us at Wembley in the playoff final. Two goals that potentially Alex Palmer should have saved, but that's a topic for three years ago. Oh, two years ago now. Um, is he still a a big part of your midfield or slightly less so now? I'd like to see him be a bigger part. He started against mm-hmm. Port Vale to give us the extra sort of bite in midfield in terms of not losing shape, like I've alluded to yeah. with, with the two other centre midfielders away from Norburn being wide. Why that happens, I don't know. I like him. I don't know why I like him as much. Maybe it is the affiliation with the playoffs. But previous to that, he, he had an excellent partnership with a, with Grant Waters at Bristol Rovers. Mm. Um, and when he is in his form, he, he is a very decent breaker-up of play. And I, I don't want to lose in this season, nor nor do I think he'll go. But he, he he's not a starter for Critchley at the moment. And and like like Critchley's alluded to, what, what starts at the moment is definitely not going to start in the next five or six weeks. So... Um, Again, someone who I wouldn't mind seeing in there, but it's all down to manager at the end of the day. I, think, I still think he's got the attributes at League One level to to, to be mm-hmm. a really important player for us. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's somebody who I who I kind of hope we don't see on Saturday um, from a bit of a, a bit of a selfish point of view, considering it's, it's, what happened last time. It's the way we set up. So he he yeah. suits, in my opinion, playing as a defensive midfielder and mm-hmm. um, with a progressive 
attacker next to him, maybe like in a 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1. But because we don't set up in that way, he gets lost a little bit in the midfield three if he's exposed by himself because he hasn't got that pace. But if he's playing next to a, to a player and they both break up play and someone ahead of them like Jensen Weir, as an example, can freely attack, I think they'll work really well together. But that's just, we're, we're yeah. going to see how Critchley sort of lines up on Saturday, I suppose. Well, speaking of another option that you've that you've got and that you've actually very recently brought in, um, back end of last week, I do believe now, um, what was it, earlier this week, I can't remember exactly, is Tashan Oakley Booth. And it kind of then begs the question of a whole kind of transfer recruitment policy. Obviously, Tashan, you will have seen many comments on social media from Lincoln fans. Tashan did not have a very good time with us. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't a player in there, but he definitely didn't show really any of it last season there was only very short very short spells in particular games where he looked at all lively so i guess it's kind of a question on your transfer recruitment policy as well you you mentioned um that you're still a few signings away from having a full you know a full squad are you hoping for signings of a higher pedigree than tashan yeah, tashan came as a massive surprise for me in a sense of I've spoke to yeah Gary and I spoke to mm. Ryan um, and you've already alluded to that he wasn't the player that he maybe promised to be with his previous experiences and he only played a few games for us and well sorry sorry he played one friendly with us against Hibernian and he looked a fairly solid player played the ball through the middle worked fairly hard Critchley likes to develop talent and yeah why he signed him I don't know bear in mind we've signed Norburn Pennington and a few others that. Have mm-hmm. Jensen Weir, who you know, who really are good League One signings. It's a, it's a surprise. It's low risk to some extent, but it also poses a question where Virtue and Dougal were going to sit, as I've alluded to, if he's signing yeah. him. So, I like to see a player come out of there. Obviously, he's, he's signed for Blackpool on a two-year deal, so it's not just a throwaway plus an, you know, plus a, plus an ex- option of another year. So, I think we've committed to this guy. He won't be expensive, and Critchley hopefully gets the most out of him. He wasn't mm-hmm. in the squad on Saturday, I don't believe, but he should be on the bench Saturday if we've signed him recently. So it'll be an interesting one to see whether, whether or not we see him get any minutes against us down at the bank on yeah. Saturday. It certainly will. Um, if he sorts his, sorry, if he no, sorts no. his attitude out in mm. terms of what Critchley works with him and, and maybe it's the best out of him, like he has done previously with players, then like you said, there could be a player in there, but I, I, I for one was definitely surprised to see him actually sign. I'm Ethan Hamilton and you're listening to Stacey West podcast. He loves tangerines, though. He does. Now, I wonder if that segue has actually worked as well as it worked when we recorded it, because literally I've just said it's not orange, but the listeners have probably just had seven or eight minutes <laughs> of listening about Blackpool. <laughs> He's probably come back in and go, he loves tangerines, though, and they're going, what the hell? And I only thought about that. I've kind of set you up for that, so my apologies. Um, so lots of talk there about the midfield. Um, there's, you know, there's, a, there's a plethora, I love that word, a plethora of quality midfielders at Blackpool at the moment. And to give you an idea of how good they are, Matty Virtue isn't starting. Um, so previewing the game, for me, um, when I was having a look at this, I mean, you know, obviously it struck me that they haven't conceded a goal as yet. Those runs are all there to be beaten. I, I, don't, I don't bother about those too much at all. Um, but that collection of midfield players was is interesting. But I just don't unless they bring somebody in before Saturday, the strike force doesn't worry me. Lavery isn't hasn't ever really been um prolific as such. And I think I think that's the one area that they desperately need improvements in. Carl Joseph is obviously injured now for 
um, sometime. So he's going to be out. Jay Beasley, I think, scored a few for Rochdale a couple of years ago, but again, not really pulled up any trees. And the other lad that was playing up top from um, Carey is, a, I think, listed a, as a midfielder. He's an attacking midfielder, yeah. Um, has been playing up top in a two. So I think they're going to be a good team, but I think they're the, the Blackpool are going to be a good team in a couple of months. I don't think there's a better time to be playing them than before the transfer window closes. Yeah, good point. I um, Obviously, we discussed this a little bit on the Real AFL podcast at the weekend, didn't we? And um, Blackpool are interested. And of course, there are some similarities between their early season run and parts of our season, last season, in terms of too many draws, etc. So for those of you that don't know, Blackpool won their first game of the season uh, 2-0. They won their cup game 2-0. And their last three league games have all finished 0-0. Um, so depending on whether you're glass half full or glass half empty, you either think, well, we're not scoring it from a Blackpool perspective. We're either not scoring enough goals or it's brilliant that we're not conceding. Now, to not concede a single goal in five games is impressive. I'm From a Blackpool's perspective, I'm on the side of positivity. I think that's a really good place to start. You build from a solid, a solid base and you need to kind of build from there. Once you've got that sorted, you can, you can put those finishing touches in. And I was a bit of a, not a fan because they... They got promoted on the back of knocking us out of the playoffs. I'm not a fan at all, um, but was impressed by Blackpool uh, the season they went out of the went up out of League One. They were just really, really good, solid team. And with Neil Critchley going back to Blackpool, I kind of had them in my head as a, a as a top side that's going to be pushing for the playoffs once again. Um, but the more I think about it, and if I'm looking at kind of the Lincoln City hat on, I'm thinking of where the opportunities may lie for us. One major turning point the season they got promoted was signing Ellis Sims. Ellis Sims was brought in in January and scored a lot of goals, but it was also a real focal point for their, their attacking play. And it was pretty much through him that they built the basis of their, their kind of promotion push for the second half of the season. And like you said, they need a centre-forward. They haven't scored... They have hard, they've only scored two league goals so far this season. They haven't got a settled front line. They've lost their prolific striker in Jerry Yates from previous last couple of years. So you can kind of understand where the nil-nil is coming from, don't you? They definitely need a centre-forward, but they've got a strong midfield. They've got a strong defence. Tactically, they're going to be in a 3-5-2. They've played 3-5-2 in pretty much every game so far this season. Um, we, we've played against a 3-5-2 against Shrewsbury. Interestingly, of course, we started in a 3-4-3, struggled. We changed uh, personnel and shape second half on Saturday certainly wasn't an eye-catching performance, but it was definitely an improvement from that point. And we were not just the eye test, but statistically, and of course, results-wise, we were the better team after after 60 minutes on Saturday against Shrewsbury when we matched up the system. We're playing against the same, at least the same base system uh, on Saturday, though Blackpool will definitely look to be a lot more fluid in that and definitely look to have a lot more of the ball on the ground. Tactically, I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think the big talking point for me will be Will Mark Kennedy decide to start in a 3-5-2? Because it's That's been going to ask. But then we've been successful when we've changed from a 3-4-3 to a 3-5-2. So is it the transition and giving the opposition a different challenge than the kind of the catalyst for the improvement? Or has it just been that that system has suited us more? Now, the big question mark for me in a 3-5-2 is where do you put Danny Manjuri? Because you either keep your you either keep your two sixes and play him in the 10 role or you have the solidity of a 3-5-2 you have house and walker up top together 
and then you have two midfielders ahead of Ethan Irahan. I don't think Danny Mandrew particularly suits either of those eight roles. He's better in the 10. The fact he had to go off on Saturday, the fact we know he's, he's had injections, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see us start in a 3-5-2 with House and Walker starting, Irahan and Hamilton. And it'd be really interesting to see whether Teddy gets a start, bearing in mind his um, post-match com- uh, com- uh, comments we were after Shrewsbury, or whether we might see a start for someone like Ali Smith and then Ted comes on for one of Hamilton or Smith, maybe on 60 minutes again. I so don't know. Oh shit! Sorry, I'm literally just no. dealing that back to you. From no, the so the point. Sorry, I, I actually, I said, I said, um, I said Walker and uh, Walker and House in my in my head. I meant Hackett and House to start up front with Walker on the bench. That I just said Walker because we've said it a million times so far this season. So thank you for po- putting that out because I did actually mean Rico would start uh, uh, with with Ben House Walker to come on the bench after 60 minutes. Um, and then it gives you the flexibility. But yeah, so the, I think the big question for me is we know how they're going to play. We know that they're a good side. They have, in a couple of their that their draws that they they did deserve to draw, they didn't create a huge amount. In a couple of their, their games, they have created enough chances uh, and expected goals to at least score one. So maybe you'd say that they were unlucky not to score. But the point is they didn't. So they're not clinical. If anything, we've been more clinical than our the chances that we have that we have created. Our xG is is significantly lower than the amount of goals we've actually scored. That's either a sign of a really clinical team, or it's the fact it's early in the season and you haven't got enough data there for a real metric. But the indication is, if you are looking at the statistics, that Blackpool struggled to put the ball in the net. That's that's pretty obvious. I think the big question is, how do we set up to try and break them down and? ultimately score the first goal this season against them? I think we will score the first goal against them this season because actually their XG suggests that they've been incredibly lucky not to have conceded a goal as yet. Um, they've conceded one XG basically in, in every game as an average against Leighton Orient, 1.3, against Exeter, 1.46. So whilst they have been defensively resolute in some of their games, um, certainly over to at least two of the last three, you know, on the balance of averages, they've probably should have conceded and that's not from relentless efforts either it's not like it was a 1.43 which is an accumulation of 10 half chances late Orient had nine shots two on target they, they should have scored in that game um extra had nine shots one on target with 1.46 xg blackpool's clean defensive record is as much a testament to the fact that late Orient and exeter city were bad at putting the ball in the net as it is their own don't get me wrong, they've been defensively very good. 0.48 against Port Vale, 0.88 against Derby, 0.74 against Burton. So they are a defensive unit, but I think it is more luck than judgment that they haven't conceded a goal as yet this season. I think in the midfield, that's where the battle is. And I agree with you. The big question mark is, do we start 3-5-2? And my gut feeling is, actually, I think Mark Kennedy will, because I think yeah, the, ex- the expectation is that he won't. Um, now, I personally think he will start Ted Bishop. So I think that he will play Hamilton and um, Arahan with Ted playing ahead of them. I think that he will play Rico up top with one of House or Walker, potentially House, seeing as he didn't start against Shrewsbury, uh, and then bring Walker on later on. I think Danny Mandroyu's toe gives us an opportunity to not have him in the team, give him a little bit of extra rest, particularly considering I think we'll have one eye on Sheffield United thinking we can win that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we'll go there and play our game in a three-four-three, and that gives us allows us to be quite defensive. So I think that he will happily not 
save Danny Mandroyo because you never save uh, one of your top players in a league game for a cup game that you're not going to go on and win the cup. Or, do you know what I mean? But I think that he'll have one eye on that thinking, well, I can afford this. I can afford to leave Danny Mandroyo out. If he's on the bench and we need to go 3-4-3 against Blackpool, I can then swap it and change it around a little bit. And that's the beauty with what we've got at the moment from the bench. So I certainly think that's the case. Um, I think it's really interesting that um, Blackpool's midfield is absolutely lathered with talent, isn't it? It's lathered with talent. You think Matty Virtue's not getting a game. Ollie Norburn, we know from this level. Peterborough, Shrewsbury, I think he was at as well, wasn't yep. he, for a while. Our uh, Jensen Weir, who was at Morecambe last season, Albie Morgan, uh, I think was, was he? Charlton. Charlton. Uh, Kenny Dougal is still there, I believe. I don't know if he's injured or playing oh, at the moment. still got nightmares about him. Yeah. Kenny Dougal. Uh, and then, of course, they've signed the whiz kid that is Tashan Oakley Booth as well. So, given how bad he was for Lincoln, You know, well, that's probably the most to... surprising League One transfer this summer. I can't believe it. I, you know what? If he goes there and does well, fair dues, fair play to him. Yeah. But I'm so surprised to see they've signed him. I really was. Yeah, me too. And Neil Critchley. Yeah, Neil Critchley's a good manager. I What I would say is you, you said that their season turned when they signed Ellis Sims. And to a degree, I think that's true, but there was another massive factor. And if you speak to some Blackpool fans, particularly after Critchley left, they pointed to director of football coming in. Off the top of my head, I think it was Colin Calderwood. I think that they were struggling early in the season. We went there, we beat them 3-2. They were quite surprised strugglers. And then I'm pretty sure they brought Colin Calderwood in above Neil Critchley. And that was when they kicked on. There is still a question mark over, is Critchley enough on his own or is he one of those like you wouldn't take Danny Cowley on his own you'd have Danny and Nicky Brian Clough was better with Peter Taylor is Pete Neil Peter Jackson and Neil McDonald were a great double act on their own Peter Jackson wasn't a great manager neither was Neil McDonald I just wonder Neil Critchley he'll be under the microscope at Blackpool they'll be happy he's gone back there at the moment he's doing the business right now they will be much much quicker to turn on Critchley given how quickly he turned on them and left to go to yeah good um, point to join Aston Villa They've had a great start to the season. Um, there's no doubt about that. And people can say, oh, three draws in a row, whatever. They're, they're below us in the league, whatever. Um, but to keep five clean sheets on the spin at the beginning of a season is excellent, whether it's by luck yeah, or judgment. It yeah, Whether absolutely. it's by luck or judgment. So, so right, that's... I think it'll be a tight game. Just a quick thing on how I think we'll line up. I think my opinion is just a smidge different to yours in regards to just the shape. I agree. I think Red will probably get the nod. I think that'd be surprising as well, considering what you, but for a lot of people, particularly maybe Blackpool, um, considering what Mark Kennedy specifically said about Ted after the game against Shrewsbury. But that gives, that's just a perfect reason to start him, isn't it? I yes. think we'll play a 3-5-2. I think we will change to that. I think we'll play, I don't think we'll play the two and then Ted in front. I think we'll play um, Ethan Irahan deeper. And then Hamilton and Ted either side of him, just just slightly further, mm -hmm. but like so, a six and two eights rather than two sixes and one ten. I think you will see, um, as we did on on Saturday, that it's not flat because Hamilton because um, Irahan sits that little bit deeper, but he is very much flanked by Hamilton and Bishop rather than it being a two and one in front. That's just my opinion, but I think I think you have to do that against because you mentioned undoubtedly Blackpool's strongest part of their team is the midfield. It's absolutely stacked with talent, so it makes sense to put an extra player in there. Meant sense to make sense to match them up in that regard, and I think that's the silent system that's worked for us in the past, and it also matches them up more accurately. So, yeah, just just the little tactical nuggets there. Or is it left back? As in, will Jack I do a thing? Or is he good? Oh, 
sorry. Um, yes. Yeah, I think Borough's left wing back and have Sorensen on the right. Because the interesting thing is if he if it is Borough's on the left, he's going to be matched up potentially with CJ Hamilton, who plays on the right for Blackpool. Which is really now, interesting because he's left-footed. Yeah, yeah. And, and Hamilton is... And by the way, they switched. So in their last game, it was Hamilton on the right and Lyons on the left. And then on 65 minutes, they switched. Which is, you know, what's really interesting about that because you associate that kind of switching for like wide for wingers. So you think of Mane, Salah at, 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 at Liverpool those years ago, cutting in on the other side. Iron um, Robin, Frank Ribery at Bayern were probably the first big team that started to really do it. Now it's just commonplace. You don't see it that often with wing backs, but Andy Lyons did it at, at Shamrock all the time. He played on either side uh, when he was in the same team as Danny Manjoyu. Interesting that you know, CJ Hamilton. I don't think he's ever played right wing back, has he, apart from this season? But he's clearly comfortable doing it. And I think it's only the last two games by the looks of things as well. Did he play it against Derby in the Cup? No, he didn't. That was Dan Thompson. So basically, it's, it's been literally the, the last, oh, in the opening game of the season. And on the opening game of the season, they played Callum Connolly at left wing back. The, the Callum Connolly that we had on loan and the, everyone didn't like. Yeah, the Callum Connolly. Yeah. That's interesting. I wouldn't have imagined him playing, playing wing back. No, well, he hasn't played since. So whether he's injured, I don't know. <laughs> but he, uh, he he hasn't played since. He he completed the ninety minutes, and uh, yeah, and then I don't even think he's come on by the looks of things since. So there we go. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a big test. I think this was the game I picked out in our monthly review, wasn't it? Was it? Did you pick Wickham and I picked Blackpool? I think um, I did. But and- in hindsight, this is. Definitely a bigger barometer of where we are compared to comparing it to Wickham. Wickham are far below the standard I expect them to be at the time yeah. I mentioned that. And Blackpool will be, I mean, in the Stacey West predictions, they were, the collective predicted them to finish fifth. And I still think they're going to be one of the teams that will be part of the breakaway pack. So it's it's a massive test. It's going to be uh, hopefully a, a nice day. One of the, dare I say, one of the last Saturdays of the summer, um, given that we've barely yeah. had a summer as well. Bank holiday weekend. It would have been nice if it was away in Blackpool, but there we go. So that's Blackpool covered. I said that we would try and keep it under an hour. We have not kept it under an hour. That's just typical. We didn't even have a game to talk about. So this could be um, this could be you sitting in your car. I think Ash sits in his car and listens if we go over an hour because we go over his uh, thing to work. And if he is listening, he's got one last question to hear us give an answer to. Um, so this was asked by Pete, and he said... A fantasy festival lineup. Now, I am going to say that we can name what four bands each or so, in total in each. So, I think a headliner, a support, an early evening, and a late afternoon. Now, I'll do it off the cuff because I, I just can't. Um, late afternoon, and it's fantasy festival lineup, by the way. So, late afternoon. Johnny Cash, uh, because I think Johnny Cash would be a phenomenal late afternoon, just sitting in the sunshine, listening to him sing, or uh, all, all, uh, just be phenomenal. So I'm going to have Johnny Cash in the late afternoon. Do you want to name your late afternoon first? Millie Manders and the Shut Up. 
Plus, I'm mad. <laughs> it's it's going to be a raucous whole day, by the way. For my, yours, for my okay, so you're, you're planning you're planning the the raucous whole day. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't now pick Millie Manders in the shot up, which is a real shame. <laughs> we're both <laughs> we're both going to pick Ferocious Dog at some point. I think we're allowed the same one, so we're both definitely going to pick them at some point. <laughs> Um, so I am going to I'm going to ramp it up. I think a little bit. You're you're raucous. I'm going to now make it raucous, and I am going to have Rancid as my early oh, evening. Great. What band. a fantastic shout! Uh, Rancid, <laughs> that's great. Uh, I'm going to go next with Lincoln Park. I never got Ooh. to see Lincoln Park with Chester, and it was on my bucket list. They were my gateway into any sort of guitar music, and it opened a massive door of just. Uh, a labour of love for me, really. So yeah, Lincoln Park would be my next next one. Very good. Uh, so my next one are going to be um, Levelers. Oh. Can I come to your festival? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My next one are going to be Levelers, without a doubt. And yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear predominantly kind of leveling the land um, mm-hmm. around that era. So yeah, good. Iron Maiden. Wow. Again, okay. They're my gateway into metal, really, and particularly classic stuff. I just love them. Again, so kind of Linkin Park and I made them my two bands, like my first experience of those genres of music when I was growing up and just kind of fell in love with them both. And again, I've never seen them. I would love to go and see them. So they would be on third for me. I'm going I'm to surprise you now uh, because I'm not picking Ferocious Dog because it's a fantasy festival lineup. And we, I see Ferocious Dog on a regular basis. So, do you know what I mean? They, they, they would be elsewhere. They'd be on another stage or another tent. But this is my fantasy festival lineup, and I don't think there could be any better headliner for my festival than Oasis circa nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, that's a fantastic show! How can I forget about bloody Oasis? My God, that's a great show. <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm definitely coming to your festival. Mine is Ferocious Dog. I absolutely yeah. adore them. They're my favourite bands. And and I know every word to it, pretty much every song. And I I'm in the mosh pit on every single, you know, for the whole 90 minutes. How long it's going? And you know, I needed a rest on Thursday night. I didn't allow myself one. It was just brilliant. I just loved it. I love every second of it. And ever been to a gig with them, I've loved it. So, what's the most fun I've ever had at a gig? Both of them were ferocious dog gigs. So why would I not want to end with that? Fair enough. And two of mine are ferocious dog gigs. The only other one would be King Blues. Was uh, was another gig that I had the most fun at, but this gig in Lincoln. I mean, we've already spoken about it, but it was one of the mm-hmm. most fun that I've had uh, at a local gig. So there yeah. we go. You now know our fantasy festival lineup. I'm regretting not p- picking Pulp actually in the uh, in the mid. The thing is, the more but... we think about it, it's so many. It's so many bands. Like, <laughs> would I want to see Johnny Cash? Hell yeah, do I want to see Levelers? Yeah, of course. There's so many, but yeah, uh, let's let's combine those together. We've got eight acts. That's not a bad. That's not a bad festival at all. One thing we haven't we'll... done yet before we end. We haven't done a prediction for the Blackpool game. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Nil-nil. One all. (laughs) It'd be one all. One-one. One-one. I'm going to go one-nil, Lincoln. So there you go. You've had a little bit of everything. Fantasy Festival lineup. We've been talking George Grant. We've been talking to Tyler Walker. We've been going on a trip around Europe. Chris and I disagreed on three points, which is three points more than we've disagreed on. I think in every other podcast, one thing we both agree on is that we'd like to get three points this Saturday. 
We won't be talking about it, Chris and I, certainly, if we do get three points, it'll be me and Charlie this weekend because Chris is busy doing something. I think it's his birthday coming up fairly soon. Look, if you think you can get me and Chris to disagree about something else, tweet us and let us know. In the meantime, I'm going to go and enjoy gammon, egg and chips. Chris is going to go and look at the tactical setup of Ajax circa 1970 under Johan Cruyff. One thing to say, up the imps. Up the imps. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow you've got your McNugget share boxes on the go your mates already got booked for double dipping but then you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.